The state of Joe Biden in Georgia is not strong. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Start of another very busy political week in Georgia, headlined by the State of the Union Address from President Biden, a look at his problems in Georgia in the aftermath of that speech. Plus, we're going to talk about who's calling for a probe of Jeff Duncan's European trip right before he left office, and also the hate mail that landed on the doorsteps of residents in Dunwoody and Sandy Springs over the weekend, and what legislative action that could bring. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Patricia, President Biden is coming off a State of the Union address with plans to kick off a national tour to focus on his policies. We know Vice President Kamala Harris is coming to Atlanta to sort of tout those economic policies. But we know President Biden's position here, his stance here, is not that strong. In the most recent Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll, just less than a few weeks ago, about 35% of Georgia voters approve of the way Biden is handling his, his job, compared with nearly 60% who disapprove. He is deeply underwater in Georgia, and that is not a new thing for President Biden. He has been underwater in Georgia for most of the last two years, even though he won a narrow victory in the state just back in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, if you go even deeper into those numbers where the really intense feelings are, are on the negative side, unfortunately, for Joe Biden. So of people who strongly approve of what he's doing, that's about 14 percent. People who strongly disapprove of what Joe Biden is doing in Georgia, just about triple that at 41 percent. So you're looking at a president who has been highly active in terms of the state of Georgia, sending loads of federal spending down to the state, um, talking about moving the presidential primary up in Georgia, talking about bringing the DNC here to Atlanta. It's not like he hasn't been thinking about Georgia. It's not like it hasn't been on his mind, so to speak. But he's the question for Democrats is, do Georgians know what he's doing and they're just not giving him credit for it? Um, Or do they not like what he's doing? I think that's sort of the existential crisis for Democrats right here, because it matters if he's popular or not. It mattered for Raphael Warnock for the last year. He really wasn't able to campaign with Biden in his own state. That didn't help Biden's own sort of reputation here in the state. He didn't have one of the most popular Democrats in the state talking him up. It was sort of like, 
Joe Biden, who is that? I never met the guy. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the that's sort of the Democrats' uh, approach to it on occasion, because uh, he's way underwater. So who wants to really associate yourself with that? Um, the other question is: Are they very well aware of what he's doing, and they don't like it? Are Georgians unhappy with the work he's actually doing? There was also a Washington Post poll that showed sixty-two percent of Americans don't think Biden's really doing anything much at all. Um, he is doing a lot, but maybe it's not what they want. So Democrats are going to have to get to the bottom of that if they want to win the state again. And President Biden and the White House see the State of the Union address as sort of a turning point in this fight. He used the address uh, to fight for policies that he said to make the country safer, richer, less divisive, and also used it to warn against Republican rival visions of the state's economy and the nation's economy. He wants to continue the path he's already set. He wants to implement higher tax for the rich, more safety net programs to help the needy, and more government investment like on healthcare, climate change, infrastructure, all those measures that we've been talking about the last couple of years. But as you mentioned, Patricia, it's hard for him to turn around his approval ratings in battleground states like Georgia when even top Democratic officials are hardly mentioning his name. We were both at multiple events over the last week or two with Democratic leaders, Senator John Ossoff. We've heard from Senator Warnock. You know, during the entire campaign, Senator Warnock mentioned Ted Cruz's name more, a lot more than, than Joe Biden's name. Right now, he's, he's warmed up to him a little bit now that he's won election, but you're still not going to hear Joe Biden's name at the tip of their tongues. Senator Ossoff was out announcing $30 million in new federal funds to help Atlanta extend the Beltline and extend more paths, bike paths and pedestrian paths in South Atlanta. And, you know, he mentioned the federal infrastructure bill that President Biden signed, but his focus was more on bipartisanship than on President Biden's agenda. And when you've got two of the leading Democrats in in a state like Georgia not really advocating for the president, it doesn't make for an easy atmosphere, an easy climate for him to run for re-election in in 2024. Yeah, now they have not been criticizing President Biden by and large, maybe on one or two narrow issues, particularly Senator Warnock picked off one or two narrow issues to disagree with Mm -hmm. Biden on. So they're not like trash talking Joe Biden out there, but they're also not talking him up. His cheering section is very quiet right here, right now. And when you talk about messaging, you have to look at somebody like Governor Kemp's messaging. He rolled out in these big, huge, splashy press conferences funding for specific local projects in Georgia. $400 million to expand broadband in the state. And I mean, that is going to Winder and Watkinsville and all of these more far-flung areas. I mean, you got to be outside of Winder, actually be truly far-flung. But the places in the state where it has been so expensive, people live so far away from each other, that companies have said, that's just not worth our money. Now there's money coming in to add that broadband. Governor Kemp announced that with tons of lawmakers behind him. That was money from the American Rescue Plan, from Joe Biden's bill that he proposed, pushed through and signed. And um, Governor Kemp never mentioned Joe Biden's name in that press conference. And he's done that with lots and lots of funding initiatives that he's rolled out for the state, um, the $1,000 bonuses for law enforcement, $1,000 bonuses for firefighters across the state, um, funding for hospitals for COVID relief, funding for individuals for COVID relief. All of that was federal funding through Joe Biden, but Biden's name is not associated with that. It kind of felt more like it was Kemp 
who was making it happen instead of Joe Biden if you were just at home watching the news. So I think there is a a weird messaging component to it um, that Biden's not getting the credit for those big ticket items here in the state, especially in the rural parts of the state, because nobody's really saying his name a whole lot around here. But the other situation is that inflation is very real. It's very painful for Georgians. Housing feels more and more unaffordable. Groceries are very expensive. So there's sort of a bifurcated economic picture here in the state. And um, I think that the Biden administration has not done a great job in getting just to the root of people's kitchen table issues. Um, They've done a lot of big, splashy projects, but uh, just the day-to-day struggles of regular Americans, regular Georgians with inflation, that's been a real problem And I don't know that Biden and his team have gotten to the heart of that yet. Yeah, Patricia, there's a flip side of the coin, too. Last week, we talked about our survey of influential Republican leaders on Donald Trump. And we found very few who were actively advocating for Donald Trump's comeback bid. And at the same time, I reached out to a number of Democratic leaders in Georgia, in state parties and county officials, elected officials, grassroots advocates, all of them. And I've been hard-pressed to find many who are saying they want an alternative to Joe Biden. They just say, kind of echoing some of the concerns that you just raised, you know, that he's not being a forceful messenger. He has a scattered message. He's not getting through the media din, all that. But they're not saying they want an alternative to him. They're not rallying behind, let's say, Vice President Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom in California or other alternatives. Instead, they're just saying Joe Biden should do a better job at portraying his own vision as he prepares to run for re-election because he hasn't announced that he's going to run for another term. But right now, at this moment, it seems very, very likely he's going to announce within the next few weeks that he's going to formally take that plunge and run for re-election. Yeah. And those same Democrats know there's a big difference between approval ratings and re-elect numbers when you're looking at a head-to-head matchup. How does Biden stack up against somebody like Nikki Haley? How does he stack up against another run against Donald Trump? Those are the numbers that are really going to matter. And even then, Biden had super low approval ratings in Georgia all last year. And Georgians here really felt like Democrats really kind of over-delivered in the elections. They did much better than expected. Yes, they lost the House, but it's a tiny, tiny majority that Republicans have. They were able to hold on to the Senate, which was not expected. So I think that Biden's, um, you know, just as his approval ratings and his um, legislative results don't seem to add up, unless, of course, you add the fact that people just might not want those legislative results in their lives. The same way the the electoral results have not really added up. His approval ratings were not good, yet Democrats really fared um, pretty well in the election, all things considered. Now, one politician who has uh, not been skimpy on praise for President Biden has been Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens. And there's there's a lot of reasons for that, but one key one is that Atlanta is a finalist for the Democratic National Convention. You had the chance to lead a discussion with the Atlanta mayor, hosted by the Atlanta Press Club on Tuesday. When you asked him about the DNC coming to Atlanta, he said there's two good reasons it's good for not just the city, but the state. The first is the economic boon, and the second is this. It's going to stretch the presidential uh, electoral map to put Georgia on the map again so that it wasn't just a fluke that it went blue for Biden uh, last time. That if you do it again, if, if Democrats make investments in Georgia and it shows some 
uh, progress, then now Georgia becomes a state that Democrats and Republicans have to invest in and pay attention to, and the issues of Georgia start to be national issues. Patricia, that part where he said Democrats and Republicans really caught my ear. The mayor went on to make a pitch that this should be not a partisan issue, but a, a nonpartisan, apartisan, apolitical issue. The Democrats, Republicans, folks who don't even care about politics should all welcome the DNC because A, it brings a lot of investment and attention to Georgia. But B, what he just said right there was that issues that Georgians bring front and center will get that much more attention for both parties if Georgia continues to be the premier battleground state it has for the last five or six years. Yeah, and I think that he's right. And you did some reporting on the progress of the DNC. And you talked to Democrats who said that Republicans are kind of pitching in on uh, not making the appeal to national Democrats, but they want to see another convention here. That's that's not a bad thing. And whenever there's a Republican, sorry, whenever there's a Democratic convention in a city, there is always sort of a Republican shadow convention in that same city. So there would be national Republican figures who would come here to offer counter-programming and have events and uh, fundraisers and um, visibility here during that convention as well. So it would um, it would be an opportunity for both parties and also just, I think, a really good moment for Atlanta to really showcase itself. I mean, Atlanta is a convention city. Um, Probably one of the biggest factors that we don't talk about in terms of where will the convention end up is just how many hotel rooms that Atlanta has. It has thousands and thousands of hotel rooms. They're affordable for state parties. A lot of this convention is stuff that people never see. It is all 50 states and their Democratic parties coming to the state, renting out blocks of hotel rooms, having their sort of local and county delegation meetings and um, in ballrooms and all of that happens behind the scenes that they have really have to foot the bills themselves. So they need lots of space and they need it to be affordable. And Atlanta can definitely offer that as well. As strange as this sounds, it could be a dream come true for Republican Governor Brian Kemp. And I say that because, look, since he took office, Democrats have warned that his stances on abortion, on guns, on the pandemic, on election laws would all bring a fallout, would all bring negative repercussions to the state's economy. And if the DNC, if Joe Biden and National Democrats pick Atlanta for their showcase events, then that pretty much takes all those arguments off the table. Uh, And Governor Kemp, you better believe, he will be promoting and reminding Democrats of that, not just in 2024, but throughout the next few years that his policies help bring the DNC to Atlanta. So it's going to be, it's, that's going to be a, a unique aspect of all this because look, Governor Kemp, we've seen this in some other states where local Democratic leaders might fight the state or local Republican leaders might fight the city. In Georgia, that's not happening. Governor Kemp has stayed out of it. He's not trying to interfere with the city's bid. Um, we're told that He's quietly, you know, offered support. He's not going to go out and make a big deal about it. But but there's a very active city-state relationship. And that dovetails to another key question you asked Mayor Dickens. You asked him about the renewed push for Buckhead cityhood because we're expecting legislation calling for a city of Buckhead any moment now under the Gold Dome. Here's what Mayor Dickens said. In the 1950s, the neighborhood I grew up in called Adamsville, the Jason neighborhood called Cascade, and Buckhead all came into Atlanta at the exact same time in the early 50s. Now that we're the 
Money Magazine says we're the best place to live in the United States. Bloomberg says we have more going for us than anywhere else in the United States. We got the highest bond rate in the world's business airport. We got the highest graduation rate uh, for APS ever. Now you want to leave? You can't unscramble this head. We scrambled and we're about to. This is together. You want to undo that and still get the benefit of being adjacent to the best city? I'm not about to try to let that happen. Patricia, it's notable that he said that at the Buckhead Club, in the heart of Buckhead, you can't unscramble this egg. We're all in this together. What'd you make of it? Uh, Yeah, well, it's really important for people to know, yes, it was the Atlanta Press Club, but it was really full of um, corporate sponsors of the press club. So there were a lot of business people in that room. And that was the only answer that he got real cheers for. People really wanted to hear that answer from him. And I think it's an effective answer. He said that while this Buckhead City bill is likely to come, he said, I'm just busy doing the nuts and bolts of governing the city. And so he went into detail about um, opening another police precinct in Buckhead, filling potholes, answering the phones, just making sure the city is functioning making sure that people know he's focused on the entire city and the crime problem in the entire city. And we spoke in great detail about um, his approach to crime in the city, his frustrations with the murder rate, the homicide rate, which has continued to go up. He talked about getting those notices on his phone every single time it happens and how one of the first calls he got once he was sworn in as mayor was noticed that a six-month-old in the city of Atlanta had been killed by a stray bullet in gang crossfire. And he just said, you know, it's just devastating. And that wakes you up to the reality of what these victims are facing and how very real and intense the crime problem is for so many people. And so I think the fact that he also is very focused on that issue helps his case down at the Capitol because that is an area of real commonality with Republicans in the state house and the state Senate. And they're the same Republicans who would be potentially voting on a bill like this. He did say that uh, he had uh, spoken because we asked him, you know, uh, we knew he'd been in touch with these lawmakers last year. Have you been in touch with them this year? He said, yes. Uh, somebody who's proposing Buckhead City the second time around invited me for a meeting where we decided to have a meeting. And he uh, invited me for 7 a.m. on a Monday morning. <laughs> and he said, I don't know <laughs> if he thought I wasn't going to show up, but I was there at 7 a.m. on a Monday morning. And he said that was uh, State Senator Randy Robertson, who's from Columbus, also a former police officer who also was part of that movement last time around. So we'll have to see where this goes. But Dickens was extremely forceful on this issue. Um, That was, I think they were taking more of a wait and see approach or give us a year approach the last time around. And this time around, he says that that is not productive and that should not happen. Yeah. He wants to kill this bill before it really even surfaces. And we know that Governor Brian Kemp has said it's not part of his agenda. House Speaker John Burns has said it's not part of his agenda. Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, who endorsed the idea last year, said he's not going to disavow it. He's not going to stop it from happening. He's not going to, you know, punish or sanction any senators who bring it forward, but he's also not going to advocate for it either. We're going to have to pay close attention to this as we move forward. We have so much more to talk about. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. 
follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're also two of the authors of the Morning Jolt Newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. You can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Patricia, we want to talk about this big story that our colleagues, James Salzer and Maya T. Prabhu broke a couple of days ago. They found that outgoing Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, outgoing Senate leader Butch Miller, and a number of their staffers and a handful of other state senators went on a trip, a European economic development trip in November, shortly before they left office. And there's been some backlash Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, Senate President Pro Tem John Kennedy, have called for an investigation on how taxpayers wound up paying for that trip just two months before those officials left office. And also, they're calling for the need for more fiscal transparency for such trips. And they have some backup. Those two Republican leaders have united with Democrats also pushing for more transparency. So I have a feeling this could really shake things up, Patricia. Oh, yeah, because it's not just backlash. I mean, there's an investigation happening and who knows where investigations like that lead? Does it change? Does it lead to rules changes? Was there anything that happened that shouldn't have that was against the rules that were in place? We don't know where this is going, but we know it's getting a really, really hard look. Of course, Burt Jones and Jeff Duncan, there is no love lost between those two. But this is an issue where I think your average Joe on the street is like, yeah, why would you take 10 people to Europe with a month left in the job? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, there are these trade missions from time to time. Certainly the governor, senators do it. They do it as a way to build relationships with companies, with multinational corporations, with trade leaders in other in other areas of the world, particularly Asia. However, if you're building relationships and you're leaving office, what are you doing? It just it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't pass the smell test. And we have not heard a peep from Duncan or Butch Miller since the story broke. And I think that's unusual as well. So we will have to see where this goes. But it was a great story from James and Maya because it is just kind of the exact kind of watchdog reporting that I think people expect from a local newspaper to shed light on these issues, money that it's hard to see why that money really needed to get spent. We saw a picture from Jeff Duncan's Instagram just kind of doing a cheers with a German leader. You know, I'm sure it was a fun trip, but what was accomplished and was it worth the money, the taxpayer money? I don't know. We're going to have to hear the rest of that story. 
I think there's a lot more we're, we're going to learn in the coming days and weeks. Okay, uh, before we go, we have to end the program on a somber note. I woke up to a Facebook message from one of my neighbors in our Facebook group up in Dunwoody saying, did you also wake up today with some anti-Semitic propaganda in your driveway? Uh, a number of Dunwoody and Sandy Springs neighborhoods with a sizable Jewish population like ours were hit over the weekend by a stream of anti-Semitic, racist hate mail playing into the worst tropes, false tropes and conspiracy theories about Jewish people. And I quickly realized that our neighborhood was not alone. State Representative Esther Panich, the only Jewish member of the Georgia legislature, also received this hate mail. So did a number of community leaders all over Dunwoody and Sandy Springs. Some were dumped within walking distance of the Jewish Community Center in Dunwoody. Others were dumped close to synagogues in Sandy Springs and Dunwoody. Uh, to say it was jarring for our community, our Jewish community, is an understatement. And one of the things, look, you know, Patricia and I, were, we're in the public a lot. We get all sorts of, you know, emails and hate calls and all that stuff. But one of the things that was so jarring was to have to, um, we had a community conversation about how we have to confront this with our children because our kids saw this, right? We tried to clean it up as soon as we could, but kids in our neighborhood were, were walking around early in the morning. They saw some of this vile uh, hate mail. Um, we don't know if a crime was committed, but we do know that Sandy Springs and Dunwoody police are investigating. Here's what Dunwoody Mayor Lynn Deutsch said. I really believe that love conquers hate um, and that as a community, we come together uh, to stand with each other. Um, hate has no place. I assure the community that the city uh, doesn't tolerate um, hate. Patricia, what was so powerful to me was the outpouring of support for our community from elected officials, from religious leaders, from community advocates, from business leaders, from neighbors, folks in our neighborhood. One of the ways they responded was chalking up their driveway, saying, this is no place for hate. We stand with our Jewish neighbors. The outpouring was really, really touching. And we even heard from House Speaker John Burns, who opened the day denouncing hatred in our state. We pause this morning to reiterate that hate has no place in Georgia. No, no place in Georgia, none. We are blessed to live in a country which, through its very motto, recognizes our collective strength. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. And this isn't just rhetoric. There is a legislation that's pending right now in the Georgia House, House Bill 30, brought by Esther Panich and a handful of Republican leaders. And that would call for a definition of anti-Semitism, which could lead to enhanced penalties under Georgia's Hate Crimes Act for folks who commit crimes based on anti-Semitism. So, Patricia, uh, we'll see if that bill gets any traction, but it was a wake-up call for many people in our communities that anti-Semitism is still alive and well. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry that this happened to you and your family and your neighbors. It is so disgusting and so unacceptable. 
and it is not just in Metro Atlanta. Once this news came out, we started to hear from people all over the state. I've gotten lots of examples of almost the identical flyers from Coweta County, Albany, Columbus, North Georgia. There is a concerted effort to distribute this and to intimidate people and to scare people and to spread this really hateful, disgusting rhetoric. You could really feel, though, in the House chamber and the Senate chamber that these lawmakers were very rattled in a way that I have not seen them rattled in quite some time. I think that is because it was on Esther Panich's front yard and, frankly, because it was on your front yard. All of those lawmakers know you. And I think for them to see you targeted in this way, or at least your neighbors and neighborhood targeted, was just deeply, deeply unsettling. And there's only one Jewish lawmaker in that entire building. And so even knowing a few other people who are Jewish, you could tell had made an impact on them knowing that y'all had all been put through this on just a Saturday night when everybody was minding their own business. So I would expect that we will see action on this bill this year. Well, thank you, Patricia. That means the world and the outpouring that I've heard from all sorts of folks from the newsroom, from under the Gold Dome from readers has just been really touching. Well, coming up on Friday's episode, we're going to answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. It's the brand new Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Producer Shaney B is standing by. Make those phones ring. Put me to work. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.